Welcome to the Creative Agency Account Manager podcast with me, Jenny Plant from Account Management Skills Training. I'm on a mission to help those in agency client service keep and grow those existing client relationships so your agency business can thrive. Welcome to episode 77. On today's episode, I'm chatting to the lovely Dan Archer. Dan is a marketing expert for agencies. And this episode is absolutely packed full of practical tips to help you with your own agency's marketing. Dan shares with me the biggest challenges facing agencies when it comes to marketing their services, some very practical and actionable advice for how to approach it, what the most successful agencies right now are doing to market themselves, and why you don't necessarily have to be the agency personality on LinkedIn. I hope you enjoy my chat with Dan. Let's go to the intro now. Today, I'm delighted to have Dan Archer. Dan is managing partner at Cactus, Europe's leading agency growth consultancy, and he specializes in helping agencies with their own marketing, which is a topic we haven't talked about on the podcast before. So I'm really excited about getting into some of the weeds with Dan and getting his advice. Now, Dan runs a new business mastermind program for Cactus and was also recognized as one of Beamer's top 100 most influential people in digital and tech in 2021, and for business development in 2020 and 2021. So we really do have an expert here. So welcome, Dan. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. It's so great to have you on here. Good. No, thank you. It's great to be here. Hearing that kind of intro always makes me kind of go like, oh my God, no. Still got, is that really you know, me? It is, it is. It's I think recognizing some areas like that, and we'll come on to that in a bit. It was always really great. But yeah, it's, it's, I just got, I've got, I've still got so much I'm learning. There's still so much for me to experience and stuff. So kind of hearing that just feels like, oh, it's a little bit, but it's fine. It's fine. Well, it's all you, good. you've achieved so much. And as you say, it's just kind of at the beginning, you've got so much more of your life to come. So gosh, it's going to be interesting to follow your progress. So let's start off, Dan, by sort of, would you mind sharing more about your current role at Cactus and how you're helping agencies? Yeah, I guess. So when people ask me, so, you know, what do you do at Cactus? I've kind of got three roles, really, which feels a little bit mad when you kind of explain them out. And Cactus is growing so much at the moment. We're going to start to dilute these out so we can have more focus in each kind of area. But three areas, really. One is the growth of Cactus. So the wider strategy and supporting our marketing manager, Louisa, on implementation. So it's kind of focused on Cactus and we've got our own growth ambitions, our own objectives to hit our own targets. So kind of really focused on putting that strategy in place having a really good marketing plan behind it, then helping Louisa to implement it, which for me is really important because if I'm working with other agencies and helping them with their own marketing, I think it's really important that I still maintain that kind of hands-on approach. So I'm still almost like practicing what I'm preaching. I'm still doing it. I'd never want to be in a position where I'm purely just consulting or talking to agencies and I'm not actually doing that bit myself. I think it's really good to still have a handle on actually doing it, sit within the seat that the people I'm talking to and I'm helping are actually doing themselves. So yeah, that's really important for me. So that's kind of the first one. The second one is looking after all of our partnerships that we have. So ensuring we have specialists expertise to offer the agencies we work with. So when there's something a little bit more deeper, a little bit more specialist beyond what Cactus kind of offers that we can bring in the partners like that. So for example, like uh, legal, we work with hybrid legal. So we bring them in if it's something, you know, deeper or, or outside of our kind of 
core depth or if it's employee well-being we might bring in sante group who kind of specialize in that so looking after those partnerships and kind of kind of managing them a little bit although managing sounds a little bit wrong it's making sure you know they get the most value and also we're able to offer value back to them so you know partnership is a two ways thing it's not a one way street so making sure they know what we're up to we know what they're up to and we can kind of cross promote and help each other and that's a really important part. And the third bit is, yeah, what we mentioned before, which is kind of providing a mentoring support service to agencies, to agency owners, and also the marketing teams when it comes to their marketing. You know, some have no one, and it's just literally the founder who's trying to do it, and they're kind of starting out running marketing for the first time. Others maybe have a little bit more advanced, and they'll have resource within that area. They'll have expertise, but they need some external perspective as they grow. And that's often a kind of really important part of where I come in, isn't always the kind of telling them what to do. It's almost just being that external perspective, looking at what they're doing, bringing some of that external insight in and trying to get outside of that agency echo chamber, if you like, where, you know, everyone's, we've all seen it inside the agency where you kind of sit down, you're discussing something, stuff can feel, you know, like it's just inside the four walls, but actually bring an external person in that to either call bullshit or to expand on something or just bring a different perspective can sometimes be the difference between, you know, an idea being a good one and an idea being like a really, really good one that's going to work. So yeah, that's kind of my three areas at the moment. Right. And I mean, gosh, that definitely keeps you busy as well, Dan. And I know how busy you are and I'm very grateful for you making this podcast, to be honest. Oh, you're um, welcome. With the point about the third point, you're helping agencies with marketing. I suppose some agency owners listening to this may already have an in-house kind of marketing person that's dedicated to marketing their agency. And maybe others are listening thinking, well, that sounds like a great idea. Currently, I'm doing that job. Would you also potentially help them with hiring the right person as well? So they may want some initial support from you about their strategy, but then also they might want someone hands-on full-time. Yeah, exactly that. There's a couple of different areas, really. And either an agency wants to start marketing themselves or market themselves better, in which case then, yeah, I can bring some of my experience and work with them to do that. Or it might be they're looking to hire someone for the first time and they haven't hired a marketing manager before. And it's quite a specialist role to kind of bring in. And it's quite unique as well to the agency, to what type of person comes in, what that person should be doing, you know, how they're remunerated, what does the structure look like internally, what's the objectives of marketing. You know, that's a really important thing to consider. And for some agencies, what they want to get out of having a marketing manager can be very different to some other agencies. So helping them define what that role should look like and then being a part of the recruitment phase. So sitting in on interviews, maybe looking over some CVs, looking over different candidates and just offering again that perspective around who might be more suitable based on my experience to kind of help guide founders through that if they haven't done that before. And then, you know, out the other side, hopefully when you've found the right candidate, they've come in helping to onboard them again. If the agency hasn't had a marketing person internally before, they're probably going to be quite unsure about how do they onboard that person? What does the first 90 days look like? What should their initial priorities be? The ambition sometimes can be almost to do too much at once and they come in, they're trying to do too much. So just putting a little bit of pace behind that, but just tapering it a bit so it's channeled in the right way and the end efforts are going into the right things at the right time without trying to you know do everything within 90 days because that's just not possible and it's going to burn out you know we know marketing's a long-term thing it's a consistent thing that you invest in on the long term so yeah certainly that kind of initial upfront the recruitment and then the onboarding is a really important part yeah for sure just out of interest dan something's just occurred to me if someone's listening to this again and Perhaps they don't have a dedicated new business person or a dedicated marketing person. 
Is there a case where sometimes that is the same person or in your experience, do you find that they're always kind of separate functions? For me, and you know, you might get different opinions depending on who you talk to. But for me, they're two separate things. So a marketing and a new business or a marketing and sales person, they're two separate roles. And the reason being is a marketing person is focused on taking a proposition to market, identifying the target audience, building an early stage pipeline, which then can qualify and move through. And it's at that point then the kind of the sales or the new business person takes over because that's a very specific job. Marketing serves a very specific job. And the sales and new business part is very specific too. And I don't believe the same person can do that because they're two different skills. There's different approaches in there. There's similarities, of course, and those two have to work very closely together. And there is a stage of the pipeline where the two cross over. So there has to be a good working relationship, has to be good rapport. They both have to understand what the business is trying to achieve, how they're trying to do that and the different strategies in place. But yeah, for me, they're two separate roles working on very two distinct parts of the pipeline. And if you're thinking about, okay, what do I hire first? And I get this question a lot. Do I hire a marketing person first or do I hire a new business person first? My answer is always going to be, you need a marketing person. If you don't have either of the roles in-house at the moment, bring a marketing person in to raise fame, take your proposition to market, get some leads coming in, get some conversations going, get some opportunities coming in because that's the role a new business person won't do. They're going to be more focused on conversion. They're going to be more focused on kind of campaigns and converting. And you need that pipeline for them to then convert. So for me, it's a marketing first to build a pipeline. And then when you start building the pipeline, you start getting leads pushing through, then is the right time to, okay, we need someone then to take the next stage from it. So yeah, in short, for me, the two separate roles and the marketing one is probably the most important one first. And then you bring in the sales and new business role. That's really useful. Thank you. So you've been recognised by Bema, and you've obviously just demonstrated your knowledge of kind of the marketing funnel, but you've been nominated quite a few times by Bema. So you obviously know your stuff. You've been recognised both for your work in business development and also kind of the marketing or digital and tech. So how does that process work? How do you get nominated? Just quickly, just so that if anyone's listening, thinking, you know, I know Beamer, but I don't kind of know how I would get nominated or how does it actually happen? Can you just yeah. shed some light on that? Yeah, I mean, it's stuff like that for me. I've, I've never set out to do that. And I've always, it's, when the opportunities come up or it's come about, it's always quite humbling. And I've always felt really honoured to be recognised by some of the industry's top lead tables, you know, like the ones you, you mentioned there. And it's, it's always an absolute privilege. I mean, the processes are pretty consistent amongst, you know, the different ones which occur. And the process is usually, it's a nomination. And then you provide some context that's followed then by a due diligence and validation phase to make sure everything is credible and to make sure, you know, there's no bullshit you know everything is as accurate and as as credible as possible and there's so many you know amazing talented people in this industry it can feel definitely for me it feels quite like imposter syndrome like you know why should i be up there named with those people in these league tables but it's always a really great feeling and meeting those other kind of members of those league tables so the people have been nominated or have gone through to make the kind of the final list spending time with them is always incredibly valuable in terms of personal development. So for me, when I'm lucky enough and I've been nominated in those things, it's never a case of, you know, great, you know, I've got these credentials. For me, I've always seen it as an opportunity like, wow, that's like a whole load of new people. I perhaps didn't know some of those people before or some people I haven't spoken to in a while. So I always use it as a really good opportunity to go, great, there's my meeting list for the next kind of few months. There's the people I want to go meet, build a relationship with, understand if I've known them before and I have a relationship with them, great, perfect chance to talk to them again. If I don't know them before, even better, new people to add to my network and, and kind of talk to. 
That's a really good point, actually. And anyone, just by the way, anyone that I've ever met that's very high performing, they often talk about imposter syndrome. I think it's one of these innate sort of things you have. If you're very good at what you do and you're constantly driving yourself to be better, then there's always that feeling that I could be doing more. So that's a very sort of humble position. So thank you for sharing that. So let's talk about marketing agency services, because I'm sure lots of people listening, both that have an account management role within the agency or they could be in an agency leadership role. Just typically when you meet all of these agency owners through your work with Cactus, what are some of the biggest challenges that agency owners face when it comes to actually marketing their own services? Oh, you know, I think there's probably top issues that agencies come to us with. There's a couple of things. First one is definitely going to be messaging. So proposition isn't clear enough internally and externally. This then makes communicating it through a marketing plan really hard. And then consistency is probably the second one. I feel very few agencies truly nail marketing. And I include myself in that, include Cactus in that. There's things, you know, we do really well and we're really happy with, but there's things that we want to do, we're not doing yet, things we need to improve on. So I feel, you know, marketing's never done. There's always improvements you can make. There's always new things you could be doing. And the consistency thing, easy for me to say, most have this in kind of a sort of a sine wave of activity. You know, it's a focus which rises and falls in, in peaks and troughs. And the most successful manage to get things happening consistently. So you avoid that peaks and trough type activity kind of wave and everything's just a little bit more constant and everything's just happening constantly. And ideally that wants to be on like an upward trajectory. So as you're doing more things, you know, spinning plates while you've got a few plates spinning, you add in a few more, you keep the other one spinning. Once you're happy with that, you add another one in. Everything's just growing consistently. And hopefully there should be a correlation between as the agency scales then, you know, the activity within marketing and the marketing proficiency also kind of scales with it. You know, it leads coming gradually rather than in bursts of leads or no leads because it's incredibly hard to manage. And it's exhausting as well when you've got marketing that kind of looks like that because you're kind of putting all your efforts into getting stuff done. There's all the pressures and stress that come with it. And then it backs off while work's being delivered, while leads are being converted, et cetera, et cetera. And then the focus gets put back on and the foot goes on the gas again and off it goes again and everything starts to build. So it's not the most efficient use of time. I think if you can strive for anything, it's just getting that consistency going. I'm sure a lot of people listening to that are kind of <laughs> furiously nodding along because I you're hope so. so I hope so. Yeah, because that's definitely one of the most common things I see when I talk to agencies. Yeah, is that kind of peaks and troughs activity. Absolutely spot on, I think. So you mentioned the first thing was kind of messaging stroke proposition. First of all, question about, you know, your agency's key proposition. Do you think that's something that's always fixed or do you think that's something that people should be revisiting on a regular basis? No, definitely revisiting it. Keep it front of mind. The worst thing you can do is have a proposition and go, great, we've done that shelve it we're not going to revisit it for a a couple of years it's a moving feast your proposition development i think as the industry moves and changes and your target customers and your prospects their pains and challenges also shift driven by their own customer expectations and needs everything moves so quickly i think you've got to constantly be reevaluating your proposition your services which underpin it so that's how you deliver it to make sure that you're still relevant Uh, and i think you know, by doing that, looking at every quarter, at least is a good kind of check in with it, looking at a little bit more every six months, at least once a year, be focusing on it and bringing in some external perspective, you know, run some insight pieces, talk to your network, talk to clients, find out what's going on, bring all that insight together, you know, aggregate it into a way which allows you to then to test your existing proposition and go, is this still relevant? Mm -hmm. You know, is what we're doing and how we position ourselves? Is that still what our audience 
need? Is it what they want? Is the demand still there? And I think by doing that constantly, you'll stay at the forefront of relevancy, which is going to help your agency grow. I think the worst thing you can do is by not doing that, you start to edge backwards, become less relevant, and it's really hard to catch up with that. So it's definitely something you should be reviewing as frequently as possible. Great tips there. Do you have any kind of rules of thumb when people are thinking about their proposition? Because I know this is something that quite a few people talk about. They talk about sort of go really narrow, go really niche, go niche in a vertical, go niche horizontal, you know, be really, really specific. Do you have any sort of rules of thumb when you're guiding people to get kind of the perfect proposition for what they're looking for at their staging of growth right now? Yeah, I think it's back to that consistency piece, right? And the best ones are the ones which they stay in their lane. So they define a proposition. They know the problems they solve. They know their target audience and they keep that narrow. You know, they niche that down. The niching is what's going to be most valuable and successful. I think we're seeing a shift in the industry where the generalists are less in demand and brands, businesses, whoever your target audience is, they're going to be looking for specialists in key areas. So I think if you can define your proposition, keep it true to you, through your marketing, make sure you're really consistent with how you take that to market, make sure everything underpins it. Your culture as well, your internal culture of the agency has to, you know, underpin that proposition as well. That proposition has to live and breathe through your people as well as your kind of your products and services. And I think if you stay in your lane and kind of keep it front of mind all the time, I think that's going to be most successful for you, most beneficial, perhaps then being distracted along the way. You know, there's no true kind of straight and narrow path in agency growth. You know, it is that old, you know, what looks like consistent growth is actually when you zoom in, it's like up and down failings and, and, and all sorts of stuff. But I think when it comes to your proposition and how you're taking that to market, you've just got to be consistent with it and make sure you're not getting too distracted or at least publicly as, you know, from an external basis, there is going to be those internal jobs, which, you know, some jobs come in, some projects come in and land, which are kind of outside of your kind of key area. And, you know, that's all right, you know. You run an agency, you run the business, you have to keep the lights on. So there's always going to be those projects you do. But for the most part, stick to your proposition. That's what you become known for. And that's arguably going to be your kind of biggest success is building out that uniqueness and what you're known for in what is otherwise, you know, it's a really crowded industry. So you have to just, you know, pick a niche, pick a, a kind of core proposition that works for you and just stick with it. I think it was a really good point you made about making sure that your internal culture is also reflecting, you know, your proposition, your values. And in fact, I've got sort of two questions, really, because I've been through in my past at Publicis, we used to run brand workshops and there was a multitude of things that we used to discuss with the clients. You know, what's your values, your mission statement, your brand ID, your brand voice, your position, your proposition. And sometimes I think it's really overwhelming. Now, so far in this interview, you've kind of come back to that core term proposition. Do you think that there is this kind of, when you work with your clients, do you ensure that it's kind of simplified in that sense? Yeah, definitely. And you know, the clients I work with and, you know, those who know me listening to this will, hopefully they'll see that come through is I always strive for consistency and clarity in messaging. The best propositions are the most simple. It used to be five, 10 years ago, you know, you could differentiate yourself by having a bit of a complex proposition and using a little bit of jargons and buzzwords. And that would almost stand you out. And clients would look at those agencies and be like, they really know this stuff. They sound really, really clever. That's changed. And it's kind of flipped the other way now. I think brands are businesses. They look at agencies and if their proposition isn't really clear, they can't straight away see the value they create and the problem they're solving. They'll look elsewhere. You know, they're time poor. They're not going to spend too much time 
trying to understand and go into the depths of the agency site to understand the proposition. So simplicity is definitely key. I think if you can explain what you do, why you do it, so that's the, the problem you solve and the value you create. If you can do that as simply as possible using this really simple terms and just get it really, really clear. They're the agencies which are definitely going to be most successful because you know, we're all time poor, there's pressures going on. And by having something overly complex, you're just going to put people off. They're not going to have time. They're not going to be bothered to try and work out, okay, I think it, what you do is this. I'm just going to go ahead and read that other web page, read that case study, read that blog post, maybe give you a call to explain that a little bit more. They're not going to go through that. They're going to spend the first 30 seconds and go, can you help me with the problem I've got? Or can I see the problems I have on your site in your proposition? Does that kind of talk to me? And that's going to be by using just really plain terms, right? Really simple terms. I bet there's a few people like me listening to you right now thinking, oh, I must revisit my website because it's been ages since I've looked at it. And I wonder if it's as succinct and clear as you're recommending, which I think is super advice, by the way. On this theme, Dan, can you share some of the most successful strategies for marketing your agency right now? Okay. I think the best ones are, as I said before, the ones who stay in their lane and stay true to the proposition. So everything comes back to it. So making sure whatever they're doing from any content or any activities considered and the positioning is considered, how they want to be perceived, keeping the target audience in mind. So thinking about, okay, who is our target audience? Have we got that defined? Do we know what type of business they're in? What type of role they're doing? The pains and problems they probably have. And then making sure anything we do talks to them and answers them. Doesn't get distracted by kind of all the other ideas or thoughts that are going on. Just really keep it, you know, who are we talking to? And does it communicate to them? who we are and what we do. So keeping it really simple and staying in your lane is one thing. I think the other one is probably the agencies who are really focused on relationships. So this seems, everyone goes, oh, it's always relationships, it's always referrals, but it is the most successful one at the moment we're seeing. Referrals, engaging the network by the clients. So that might be active, it might be lapsed, it might be dormant. And using the network, they've probably spent considerable time, money and effort curating for commercial gain. And not many people use their own network, their personal network or the business network effectively enough. Most people will spend 50 quid a month, maybe on LinkedIn. They might spend a little bit more on having Sales Navigator. They might be posting a lot, building up their personal kind of brand profile, their identity, their reputation, call it what you will, creating the network, connecting with people, building up and up. But how are they actually then using that to drive leads or referrals back into their business? I think I've seen agencies scale really consistently year after year on just this strategy alone. And it's worthwhile investment, but it does really require everyone in the business understanding what we mean by referrals, who a target referral is, how we ask for it, how we make it, how we then track it and follow through with it. So everyone has to be bought in and understand it. But I think it's not just for the founder and the marketing person to do that. There's a much wider cultural input into that. But yeah, referrals and using your network is a huge thing at the moment. And some of the best agencies who are scaling are doing that really well and not doing much else. Can you give us a few more tips around that? Anything that if someone's thinking, yes, that's a really good idea, I'm not doing that. But can you just give a few pointers? Yeah. So I think, you know, first of all, your own personal network, people say, okay, well, how do I expand my network? How do I talk to people? How do I connect with people? One of the most simple things you can do, and anyone who's listening to this and knows me will have said, yeah, I've heard you say that before. Hopefully, hopefully you're doing it. If you're not doing it, I'll say it again, you should do it, is download your LinkedIn network. Download your LinkedIn network into a CSV. Really easy to do. Within like four clicks, you can do it. Reorder it by the last time you connected with someone. So you hopefully have your oldest connections first. And then go through that and use that as your call list. Because if they're the people you've connected with the longest time ago, 
they're going to be the people you probably haven't spoken to most recently. They will have almost certainly moved on and changed jobs since you last went through. So literally go through and use that as your call list and say, okay, who can I contact on this list? So you might land on on this person here. Oh, they're actually doing a something and quite an interesting job. I didn't know they were doing that. So I'll maybe re-engage them. Send them a message, set up a call, and literally, you know, set yourself a target of either a weekly or monthly call amount to go through. And that's how you can use your network. Go through, have a meaningful conversation. We call it cactus, have a meaningful conversation with that person. Ask them what you can do to help them. Let them know what they could do to help you. And, you know, come away from that call making sure they understand who you are, what you do. You understand what they do and where they are and make sure there's that kind of good communication between the two of you about how the other person could help you. And often just asking the most obvious question of, you know, I'd say to you, Jenny, what could I do to help you? It can sometimes be the most powerful question to ask that gets a conversation going or creates that kind of debt, if you like. You know, if I'm asking you what I can do to help you and I'm making a note of that and I'm thinking about that, you're naturally going to feel indebted to then ask me, say, well, well, Dan, what can I do for you? How can I do? And then you start to have a natural conversation about the wants and needs of each individual and where the overlaps are. And if you do that at scale, it's, you know, I will betide anyone who doesn't get uh, leads or opportunities coming from that. So that's one thing I'd say from your own network. The second thing, and the second tip I'd say from a referrals basis is going through whatever you use, the agency uses as a CRM. So for clients, it might be active clients, lapsed clients, dormant clients, revisit those lists and re-engage those people. I speak to countless agencies who I say, when did you last speak to your lapsed or dormant clients? And they say, oh, we haven't really just real speak to our current ones. If you can pull up the list and go through and contact all of your lapsed or dormant clients, re-engage them, give them an update on what you're doing at the moment, some successes you've had, ask about their business, ask about what's going on inside the business now. Has anything changed since you last? And again, just a simple task like that could take you, you know, a couple of weeks to go through and there will be some opportunities come for it. I've not met an agency who have not had at least one or two new opportunities come through from doing that. And it's a really, really simple thing. It doesn't cost you anything other than time. All it requires of you is having a commitment to contact people, put some time and just be dedicated to doing it. I think there's two tips you can do today if you haven't done that already. Oh, that is super, super, super advice, Dan. Thank you so much for sharing. I think that's just such good advice because they're effectively warm leads. They're people that know you, hopefully like and trust you, and hopefully have had a good experience with working with you in the past. I'd just say, and if you go, there's anyone on that list who perhaps who didn't have a really good, you know, the client offboarding experience might not be a good one. And We've all had that. We've all had where client relationships haven't ended kind of brilliantly. And you think about, okay, it might be a bit awkward. I don't. I think, you know, give it some time. Time's a healer, old cliche. Re-engage that person and, you know, things will have moved on. Things will have changed. Things will have matured and developed. Hopefully water under the bridge, all that. It's a good chance to re-engage those people. So you shouldn't be avoiding talking to certain ones. I think it's a good chance to kind of revisit them, kind of re-establish a relationship, even if it didn't end particularly well. You know, life's too short to have kind of negative relationships hanging over us. I mean, again, that's great advice. And I'm sure some people listening will thinking, right, you've just energized me. That's a great, great piece of advice. I'm sure you have, honestly. I was just thinking, you know, with the latter scenario where you're talking about maybe a client either left badly or you didn't know them that well, it wasn't one of your great client relationships. Would you, in that instance, rather than just saying, you know, do you want to catch up kind of thing? Because who's got time for a catch up nowadays? I mean, unless I really liked someone, then actually we've all got really busy lives nowadays, haven't we? And it's hard to find time just for nothing. Would you, in that instance, kind of talk about, I don't know, proposing, like sending them a white paper or sending them some piece of value or anything that you would suggest giving to them first, rather than just saying, here I am, let's catch up? 
Yeah, I think rather than just a catch-up, because who has time for a catch-up? You know, catch-up's very vague and it's not. So you, you've got to make it benefit-driven. If you're asking someone for a catch-up, then you have to make sure that it's going to be a valuable use of their time. So make sure you communicate what you're trying to get out of it, what you can offer as kind of, you know, in exchange for that. So having something like some insight or some perspective or something to share. So, you know, something like a white paper is pretty good to share. It might be an opinion. It might be something you've seen. It might be asking them for a favor, but then obviously having the value exchange of what can you do back in return. But yeah, definitely avoiding just open, vague, hey, would you like a catch up? Because they never come. They're the calls none of us have really got time to do. So yeah, having some reason for doing it is definitely important. Yeah. So this is great advice so far, Dan. So thank you for sharing. What else do you think agency owners are overlooking? I mean, you've just clearly laid out a complete strategy for looking at their current networks on LinkedIn and, you know, picking up the phone and just creating some activity. What else are they missing out on? It's a good question. For me, number one is understanding the person, the business, and assuming all organizations have the same challenge that can be solved in one hit. It takes time. And so what I mean by that is it takes time and patience and successful marketing of your agency. As marketing your agency is a long-term play. That's not going to bear fruit simply in a few months. So Often founders will say, you know, they want leads right now. That's not always possible. I think the term quick wins, I really hate. There are no quick wins, or at least the ones that do exist are the same ones that everyone else is doing. And in such a crowded industry, you know, differentiation is vital. And if you're not differentiating, then you're not going to stand out. So understanding the person, the business and the challenges they have is going to be really, really important because that allows you to contextualize what it is you're talking about. It allows you to be really targeted with your messaging, with your marketing tactics, and you're making it relevant to the person you're talking to. I think the biggest turnoff for many brands when agencies contact them is they contact them with such a broad opinion or perspective that it captures all, but it's relevant to none. But I think if you can really focus that in and cherry pick who your prospects are, do a little bit of due diligence on them, try and have a, even if it's just some assumptions you make, you know, if you can at least have those assumptions and manage to get a call with them or talk to them, then you can validate those assumptions. If they're right, great. You're on a great conversation. If they're wrong, it's like, okay, so if this is wrong, what is right? Where does it go? And most clients, when you talk to them or most prospects, when you talk to them, will kind of correct you or shape you. And that's all insight, right? That's all insight, which is helping you. If you made an assumption it was wrong, and the prospect is correcting you to what their problem actually is or the nuances in their business which affect it, brilliant. I hope you're writing this down because this is your brief to respond to. This is what you go away, think about, come back to them and say, look, that problem you told us existed. Here's what we think our solution is. Here's what you should do. Here's how you go about it. So yeah, understanding the business or the individual and assuming everyone's kind of the same is a yeah is, is a big no-no. I think you need to really focus that down and have a really targeted plan. Great advice. So take the time to do a bit of research and due diligence rather than kind of just picking up the phone and going for it. That's good advice. Can you share any examples of agencies that you think are leading the way? And if you don't want to mention names, perhaps kind of some best practice examples of agencies that, you know, are really leading the charge. Yeah, I think there's there's so many agencies who do it really, really well. And I, I think as I mentioned before, they are the ones who are focused on building relationships with clients, understanding prospects, pains and needs, asking questions, getting insight, rather than doing kind of, you know, the broader kind of hit and hope stuff. They're focusing it down, they're niching it down. They're also the ones who have a really good referral plan in place and they use their networks and everyone in the agency understands it. It's good internal communications and they're really focused on 
building the right relationships with their prospects and, you know, understanding that they're probably not going to win a brief within the kind of the first couple of conversations. It's going to take a little bit of time to build up the trust, build up the integrity, kind of prove and validate their worth and their knowledge. So it takes a little bit of time. And it goes back to my point earlier about marketing isn't just a, a quick win. It's not something you can just turn on a tap and start winning work straight away. It's going to be, you know, something which you do consistently. It has a, has a focus to it. And yeah, I think by doing those two things, I think they're the agencies which are doing the best at it. And there's so many who are doing it great. I, I certainly will not want to kind of sit here and name check individuals because there's so many who are doing it brilliantly. But there's also on the flip side, there's agencies, you know, you, you see doing stuff. And I see all the time on LinkedIn or I get an email or in conversation with them. And I just, you know, in the, in the kind, of the, kind of back of my mouth, I'm going, oh, they could have done that so much better or that could have been or why aren't you doing this? And that often forms the conversation. You know, I'm, I'm a massive oversharer when it comes to marketing stuff. So any agency I'm talking to, if there's something I think they could be doing better, I'm normally saying, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? Which I'm probably doing myself out of some future consulting opportunities there because I'm giving everything away now. But yeah, I think there's so much right in the industry, but there's also, there's so much not going right. But equally, you know, agencies have to figure this stuff out on their own. They have to experience it and they'll they'll do stuff which won't work and they'll do things which isn't great and they'll learn from it. And then hopefully they start developing into things and they find the thing which works for them and they kind of, you know, hopefully go in that direction. But if it's any consolation, I do give a lot of way for free and I just think there's karma there. I think there's enough business for everyone and because I know that you have a genuine want to help people and that comes through in spades. And I think if you do, I think it's great that you help so many people. I'm curious to know your thoughts on agency owners that perhaps have seen other agency owners becoming kind of quite personalities in their own right on LinkedIn, you know, becoming thought leaders like Stephen Bartlett, for example, is a classic example, isn't it? Of someone who rose to the top, brought his agency with him, Gary Vaynerchuk, another, he's leading Media. They're the ones that were at the forefront. For those agency owners that perhaps haven't done that to date, but are watching others do it, what are your views on becoming the, the face of the agency brand? I think you have to do what's right for you and what feels comfortable. You know, agency owners are people and everyone is individual. Everyone has their own confidences. Everyone has their own stuff they're good at, stuff they're not so good at. And I think, you know, some will want to be more out there. They'll be more extroverted. They'll want to be kind of leading the charge and they want to be the face of it. Other agency owners will just, you know, they want to be kind of in the background orchestrating things. They don't want to be the outgoing ambassador and they might default that to someone else in the agency to kind of lead the charge and be the external face. And I don't think there's any right or wrong answer because it comes down to who you are, what type of agency you are, what sort of founder you are, you know, how visible you want to be. You know, are you really outgoing? Are you comfortable running webinars, hosting roundtables, doing public speaking? To some, that comes naturally and they're really happy to do it. Others, it absolutely terrifies them, the thought of doing that. And it doesn't think it matters too much. I think marketing your agency is really, really unique to you and your agency. I call it the marketing fingerprint. And what's right for one agency isn't always right for another. Your successes will be different to others. They'll occur within a different time frame. And I think if you use your strengths, you play to your strengths, you keep things simple, you focus on building your own marketing up consistently over a period of time and avoid trying to do everything at once and do it in stages. I think keeping it true to what your agency is about, what you're about as a person, your proposition, your culture, all these different factors and I think that all makes up your individuality, your uniqueness. That's your marketing fingerprint. And I think it's that uniqueness which will actually make people notice you, whether or not you're some outgoing, you know, voice building a huge personal brand, or you prefer to sit back in the in the background and just kind of orchestrate things. 
Again, some of the best agencies I know are run by agency owners who are quite introverted. They sit in the background orchestrating things and, you know, the agency wouldn't be as successful without them doing that than it would be if they were outgoing at the front, doing all the talks and being the face of it. So yeah, I think it's whatever's right for you as an individual in your agency. Great advice again, Dan. I agree with you. I think if it feels too uncomfortable, don't do it, obviously, and do what's working well for you. And every agency is going to be different. Just a side question, really. We're heading into what looks like recession and there's kind of a bit of a differing economic climate. And we're recording this just in the mid-November 2022. First of all, are you hearing back from your agency owners that there's any change in client activity yet? What are you hearing from everybody? Is there a little bit of anxiety around this? So I think some are naturally concerned and are more cautious than others, but equally for every one which isn't, we've probably got three which isn't experiencing that. And I think the reason for that is we've been through a massively uncertain and turbulent last couple of years, at least. I think there's just a little bit of fatigue around, oh, we're going into a recession and then we're doing this and the economy's going down the toilet and all this kind of stuff. And I think everyone's just getting a little bit immune to that now and just kind of going, you know what, we'll just do what we can do. Brands are just pressing on and doing, agencies are cracking on and doing what they need to do. So I think, yeah, there's always, you know, for everyone who's a bit cautious and a bit concerned by it, and rightly so, we sure should be, you know, as responsible as we can. But equally, you know, there's a huge opportunity for agencies now to really partner with their clients and kind of be a very important partners for their growth and to partner with them rather than just being maybe this, you know, supplier who who delivers services before. Now they can actually be quite integral to what they do. And I think that's where the opportunity for agencies is, is to really understand their clients, really get close to them, really spend time with them and then help guide them through the coming years. I think that's where the most security and stability is going to be for agencies if they can do that. Mm, you're right. I mean, we've been through probably the biggest upheaval over the last couple of years, haven't we? And I feel the same. I think agency owners are kind of re-emerging and looking at, you know, what's going to change now, what's different, but actually just crack on, as you said. Now, listen, yeah. I wanted to talk to you about your thoughts on the future. You've just hosted a very exciting event for Agency Nomics, And I just wondered if you could just speak to that event a little bit. What was the event about? And I'd love to get your thoughts on how agencies will change in the future. Okay. All right. Big questions. All right. First one is what the event was about. So where are we now? 14th November. So the event was last week. It was on the 8th. And it was around Web3 and what it would mean for agencies. And we intentionally, when we when we were planning this event this time last year, so we do the Agencies do the a kind of a big, we call it the big event. It's a, like a day-long day of learning, <laughs> coincidentally. It's a day of learning for agency founders to come together and hear different perspectives and opinions. And we never approach it from a view of, this is what's going to happen. This is what you need to do. We always approach it from a, here's some perspective around what's going on. Here's some different directions and things for you to think about discuss you know we always kind of you know really encourage networking discussion and none of the kind of talks or content we kind of put together and curate is aimed at this is what's going to happen it's always about this is what might happen here's some perspectives here's some trends here's stuff we're seeing so for then this one this year just happened was around web3 there's a lot of buzz we're probably at the kind of you know the peak hype at the moment of web3 and you know whether or not we're going to crash down into the trough of disillusionment anytime soon. Perhaps, who knows? We want to just give some perspective to agency owners around what Web3 might mean for their agency in the coming futures. You know, some recent surveys we ran at Cactus identified that, you know, over 95% of agency owners were really uncomfortable with what Web3 meant. You know, they had very limited knowledge on it. 
if any at all. They hear the words, but they don't really know what it means. So we were just kind of demystifying some of the terminology and explaining simple terms of here's what Web3 means, and here's what it might mean for your agency, and here's a load of kind of different perspectives and opinions. So that's what we did, and that's what it was on. And kind of thoughts on, you know, what's your second question? What will thoughts be kind of in the future where we think we'll go? Where agencies will be in the future, any kind of thoughts on that? I think, okay. I think nothing's going to change immediately. I think that was really clear from everyone involved in the in the event this year. But there are huge opportunities in the coming years, and that's something agencies should think about. And that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to give them something to think about. This doesn't mean an immediate change in proposition or service offering. More an understanding how businesses are changing, developing needs of their customers, and being in the right position at the right time to offer a service or strategy which is going to help them. I think Web3 is still a pretty new term for many. You know, it's currently you know kind of undefined and and open for what web3 actually means there's lots of different opinions and perspectives on what web3 actually means if you look at it from like a web1 or web2 perspective or are we actually in web3 or is web3 10 years away you know it's quite subjective or certainly the mainstream so by upskilling now getting your head around things and understanding the technologies and trends that are happening Agency owners can be in the right place when the time is right for them. And that's going to be different for every agency owner too. You know, there's no template or framework that you can just take and go, okay, win our Web3, you can stick it on top. It's going to be an evolution of the agency to understand, okay, where does their agency and their service offering fit into Web3? Their clients, you know, where do they fit in? What's the knowledge gap like? You know, you might be working with some very legacy clients who adoption of the technologies is going to be quite a long way away. Some agencies might have clients who are a little bit more kind of forward thinking with this and already thinking about stuff. So yeah, it really depends on the clients you have, the services you offer, what part of the industry you work in. And that's what we want to achieve. We just wanted to achieve some perspective and get people understanding things and thinking about things rather than trying to kind of say, here's what's going to happen and this is what you need to do. You know, we'd never say that. That's not our place to say. And I don't think anyone who knows that, but what we can do is just bring together some interesting opinions from some experienced individuals in the industry to share their thoughts and opinions on things. That's a great summary. And I think you achieved it in spades, by the way. And I was lucky enough to go to the event and it was standing room only. It was such a popular event. Yeah, it was busy, busy this year. And we trained strikes as well. We we weren't too sure with how people can come and make it and stuff. But yeah, thankfully it all worked out despite best efforts. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, this topic was so, it's so front of mind at the moment. I think everyone came away learning heaps about Web3, about the metaverse. I was interviewing Ben Fryer from Diverse Interactive, who dropped some real gems around what was going to happen in the metaverse, some really interesting topics. So if anyone's listening and they haven't been to your yearly event, I would highly recommend, we'll put a link in the show notes to sign up for next year because you just don't want to miss these events. They are, you know, cutting edge thought leaders. And I know from the past couple of years, equally brilliant speakers. So no, this is really interesting. Good advice as well. Like for every agency is going to be different, but I think the message is be informed. So, you know, keep yourself up to date with what is changing. So Dan, listen, we're coming up to the top of the hour regrettably because this has been so brilliant. Any final pieces of advice for any agency owners or any account managers who are listening and they feel that they need to up their marketing game for their agency? Yeah, I think use your strengths, keep things simple and focus on building your marketing up consistently over a period of time. I mentioned it before, avoid trying to do everything all at once, do it in stages, but above all, keep it true to your agency, your proposition and your culture. Make it about you. Don't try and replicate what others are doing. 
define what's right for you and build on that. I mentioned your marketing fingerprint, and that's really what you want to do is you want to create your marketing to successfully drive leads into the business, to grow the business. And it's not just from a view of growing in leads and stuff like that. You know, agency marketing isn't just about driving new leads in and and growing pipeline. That's a massive part of it, clearly. But it's also about how you market and how you position the agency to attract the best talent and to work on your own employee value proposition. So yeah, do what's right for you. Stay focused on what you're trying to achieve. Focus on your own objectives and your own targets. And yeah, don't be distracted by what's going on there. There's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of hype and, and stuff. So yeah, just focus on what you're doing and just keep it true to you. What sage advice. Thank you, Dan. Listen, <laughs> if anyone wants to talk to you about either your consultancy services around marketing and new business, maybe joining one of the mastermind groups for agency owners for Cactus, what's the best way of getting hold of you? I'd say best thing is, you know, follow Cactus on LinkedIn because we share loads of stuff on there. If you're an agency founder, an independent agency founder, apply to join Agencynomics, the community. There's loads of great stuff going on there. But other than that, you know, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So you can find me on there. Just be prepared to have a kind of introduction conversation. As I said, network's really important. So I try and maintain a really warm network with everyone I know. I don't like cold connections. So as long as you're open to having a, a quick conversation to introduce one another, then perfect connect away. And I'll speak to you on there. And that was a good tip, actually, keeping your LinkedIn network very close it, as well. Yeah, keep it trimmed. You know yeah, it. keep it trimmed. Yeah, love yeah. it. Dan, thank you so much for everything that you've shared. This has been really invaluable and I can't wait to publish it. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thanks a lot, Jenny. Really good chatting to you too. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Dan. And finally, a couple of messages for independent agency owners. Number one, if you're not already a member of the free Agency Nomics community, then go to agencynomics.com and see all the benefits of joining. It's absolutely free. And for the value that you receive, you will not be disappointed. And number two, growing your existing accounts is one of the most overlooked sources of new revenue. If your account managers are proactively looking for ways to help your clients reach their goals, you will grow your revenue too. So if you have one or more account managers in your team and you want to make sure that they have the skills to retain and grow their accounts, then make sure you're setting them up for success by investing in formal training. You'll find more details about my training programs on my website, which is accountmanagementskills.com forward slash training. And you can also book a quick call with me to talk about your specific needs. I look forward to speaking to you on the next one.